just discover what you enjoy most because this is what's gonna be reflected. This is Sol Dickbury and welcome to Chapters of My Life podcast. So what is actually Chapters of My Life podcast? First of all, I want you to imagine your past life right now in front of you. Well, where should I start? Well, imagine you need to write your life story in form of a book already. It's a challenge itself. And honestly speaking, I barely have never thought about this because we always think we have to be old, 70, 80, 9 years old to look back and to be able to write a biography. But in fact, we have so many experiences ready to share already with others. Achievements, failures to learn from, positive and negative life transitions, which in the end lead to the person we are today. This Chapters of My Life podcast is an inspiring collection of life transitions packed into a podcast audiobook format, capturing the willpower and belief of people doing important life-changing decisions. And we interview innovators, athletes, entrepreneurs, and idealists, giving insight into their past life from a young age till today. Great to have Solvik Brip, founder of English Yoga Meetup, on this week's podcast, episode 26. I first met Solvik end of 2018 in Munich at one of her yoga English sessions. What struck me the most from her is her down-to-earth attitude and entrepreneurial mindset as a yoga teacher. Together with the belief in making yoga affordable for everyone in a world where contract subscriptions at big yoga studios create more worries than relaxation, she's also a forward thinker. English Yoga Meetup is a pop-up English yoga place in Frankfurt in Munich for experts and everyone new to yoga and who wants to join a community to discover the city in a new way. As she says, a place to power you to live well. In her life book, which she called Creating Space, she chooses five life chapters from struggling in Paris over Asian and Australian trips and adventures. She encountered what touches her heart. This episode, as we found out during the interview, is truly all about space. In fact, creating space for others to find themselves in times where everyone is overloaded with stress and uncertainty. Her new yoga sessions, which now also takes place online, are a welcome change, not just for the body, but also for the mind. This podcast episode is also recorded online and soon. So you will hear throughout the episode there were some kind of technical issues, <laughs> mostly in that. And she kind of reconnected again. But overall, it was an amazing podcast recording. With all this saying, let's begin episode 26 with Solvik, interviewed by me, Daniel Ludwig, and you can find me on Instagram at by Daniel Ludwig. Enjoy. So here we go. Thanks, Solvik, for taking the time for the podcast today on Friday, um, straight after work. <laughs> How are you feeling? I'm good. I'm always looking forward to Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, Solvik, I mentioned that in the intro of the podcast uh, episode that I met you last year in connection with yoga, something which you started for a long time. And it's something what we're going to talk later as well in details as well. But one thing which I just kept in my mind is just the few minutes before we started the podcast, you said it's one of your very first podcasts, actually. 
Um, and I, I wondered actually how come that no one actually interviewed you before with your passion about yoga and everything else you have done. So did you come across anyone who reached out to you prior with podcast uh, interviews? No, there was actually no one who was reaching out. Um, I had a couple of interviews like just on a blog post, you know, some kind of um, blogs that are speaking about Frankfurt places. They got interviewed by quite some time. Uh, but I think Munich is like the digital startup city. So I think we need the Munich people to interview the Frankfurt people because here <laughs> no one is there yet um, to do these kind of podcasts and telling the stories of about others. Or maybe people here are just too busy. I don't know. <laughs> Frankfurt's like always higher, quicker, faster. So yeah, maybe we need people like you guys uh, from Munich that are actually interviewing us. Yeah, maybe they're like more conserv conservative style in Bavaria, which is a bit more slower, <laughs> having time for podcasts and to interview the people in Frankfurt who are rushing for the busy skyline uh, uh, city. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned something very interesting, actually, um, that you have been interviewed a couple of years before on the website. And actually, you know, um, I mean, I know you since last year. You told me a little bit about you, and that's also the reason why your personal story inspired me actually to invite you for this podcast and to actually learn more how could your potential autobiography book look like. Um, but the website where I discovered you as well for the interview, uh, you mentioned once, you know, the three best words which would describe you would be freedom loving, multi-passionate and demanding. So my question to you, what was the last thing in your life where you were demanding? Demanding? Um, well, I, I get this feedback all the time. Like no matter when I work in groups, in teams, in whatever kind of job, I always get this kind of feedback. And I've noticed, especially when I started my own journey as a self-entrepreneur, how much I demand, like how much I demand for myself. Um, I want to have that perfect website. I want to have a perfect class. I need that soundtrack. Uh, and I also expect the same from the people I work with. So the kind of uh, collaborations I start with, uh, they have to match with my brand. And the teachers I want to work with, they have to have a certain spirit. So I've noticed that I'm not only very picky about myself, I'm also very picky about whom I work with. Um, yeah, and what kind of collaborationships with friends I do. And I also get the same feedback, basically, in my full-time job from former bosses. They always tell me, yeah, you're the one in the team what <laughs> But um, yeah, uh, I think I'm just the person who's analyzing quite a bit and then always goes for an extra mile just to get what I want. <laughs> so, so would you say the fourth word of the, of the three would be perfectionist? Would you Not say you're a perfectionist? Not necessarily, because uh, I've noticed also when being an entrepreneur, you can't be perfectionist. Like, um, this is also not my type of style. I'm someone who's implementing very quickly, and sometimes I'm missing the details. So I don't double check. I don't do the third check. I, I'm just not patient enough. So I wouldn't call myself a perfectionist. Um, I don't know what could be the fourth word. Um, I know. Maybe, maybe, maybe passion. passionate. I'm passionate. Uh, about a lot of topics actually yeah and i like <laughs> other people who share passion also i like people who have a story to tell and not just doing their 
yeah like doing every uh, the thing that everyone else is doing <laughs> like the status quo life a nine to five yeah life, i like people actually, yeah exactly i like people who actually see something a sense in doing something and then they go for it and they chase it and uh yeah people like this they have a certain passion you can already tell after a couple of minutes when you talk to them uh, they have a purpose and this is what clicks with me nice it's actually a very nice transition which you gave me actually as support now actually to switch a little bit towards your story um, or your life story, um, which we're going to find out now. Um, one of the questions I have to you is actually, um, I'm very curious, when was actually the last time you were in a library or in a bookshop? Mm, actually, last weekend. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because we were traveling to uh, Venice, mm -hmm. yeah, and all Corona and everything, we took the mask. But uh, I got a recommendation from an Italian friend, and she told me there's that really nice bookshop, and you should go inside. And when it's very old, they have like these old kind of vintage books over there, and they have cats in there. So it was kind of a special place again, um, with all these books and a Venice boat inside and the little cats. And they even had like German books. I was kind of surprised to find some old German books from Immanuel Kant in there. Okay. So I was just browsing a little bit through, but um, yeah, it's a good point. I, I read a lot, but I rather read online stuff all the time. I'm not the person who's reading a lot of eBooks, to be honest. But I read, I just consume a lot of content in the internet. And for books, I would say I'm rather more like the magazine person. So every time when I jump on a train, I always have a magazine. And I always make sure that I'm like 10, 15 minutes in advance at the train station just to get my latest magazine. Yeah. So the, the, the first direction where you go in a, in a library or in a bookshop is going directly to the magazine. Section. Well, in a bookshop, you don't necessarily always have those kind of magazines, but I hmm. always tend to go to that. In the former past, we used to call this this little esoteric corner. <laughs> okay. I always go to this one, where they say like uh, all the books about um, less is more, you know, minimalist lifestyle. Um, I don't know how to treat your inner child, that kind of psychology stuff. Um, I like those kind of books that are all about not necessarily self-optimization, but still a little bit like how to do interior decoration. Um, of course, all kind of yoga books and Ayurveda stuff. I'm into that <laughs> one. Um, but I also like all these Marie Kondo style and uh, yeah, and the, the different concepts of different countries. Uh, how does the Japanese perceive happiness? What is their approach? I tend to always have a look on those kind of books. <laughs> nice, very interesting. I mean, it's a huge choice of books actually you have then in, in a bookshop. So when, when, when you, I want you to imagine when you are now in, in, in that one bookshop you were uh, last time or in any other bookshop as well, or maybe your favorite bookshop at home in, in Frankfurt. Um, and you will look for your personal biography book. In which section would you go to? To grab your book. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, um, I know a friend of mine, she recently published a book about green lifestyle and all that kind of stuff, how to organize your home and everything as you're raised. Um, I would love to have my, my book over there in that kind of category somewhere. 
Which which section would it be? Is it like more yeah, the, the home? The home section, the zero waste sustainability corner. Yeah, that one. Nice. And when you when you're now in front of that shelf in that section, in that home sustainability section, and you grab your book, your personal book where it says Solvik, uh, autobiography, or your life book, what would you see when you grab the book? What would be, what would you see on the front page? On the cover, front cover. Probably a nice space. I'm all about spaces. This is also with the yoga. I, I'm very attached to spaces somehow. This is probably also why I've studied tourism and that's why I wanted to become an interior architect. And that's why I'm like redesigning all my home just to make it more Scandinavian. This picture of something. You see, even my background's white. <laughs> very, very sleek, um, very tidy. I like that kind of. Yeah, you mentioned minim minimalistic style, uh, minimalistic, maybe matched with, yeah, the interior design, having a minimalistic mindset as well. And you yeah, mentioned that. Like, this. like a nice picture that maybe you see like a wooden table and on this table, this already gives you the impression this is a place where you invite people and you have good discussions and you have some green plants, you know, that type of picture. So how would yeah. you, when you say, and you immediately th thought of spaces, what, what does a space mean for you? You mentioned about it's a place for people to communicate uh, or maybe do yoga as well. Um, mm. How would you, dis what is the description for you? Uh, what is space me. meaning for you? Mm. Good, qu good question, actually. I've never really thought about this one. Um, like once when I studied tourism, we had once a very interesting homework to do and we had to find um, spaces that are half public, half private. So it was our task to walk around the city. It was in Switzerland where I studied. And we had to take pictures of those spaces that are half private, half public. And I was walking around the entire city and I couldn't find these spaces, <laughs> you know? And it's basically um, where it transitions. For instance, you have a coffee shop, but the coffee shop has extended and they have put their tables and chairs outdoors and they took over a little bit of part of the place, the street. So this is where public and private space meets and you get like this little, yeah, a mix of both type of spaces. So you always have to like that differentiation between private space, public space. And uh, I found that really interesting because before that task, I've never really thought about it. Yeah. And I noticed also when I was traveling, I was staying in crappy hostels, like how important it is to have my own little space where I feel comfortable and go from over there because I just feel like uh, I always try to match that picture of, yeah, I'm a digital nomad. I can work from anywhere. I can sleep in no matter what kind of hostel, but I can't. Like I, I need to have like a decent, nice little room where I feel comfortable a place that I've checked, a place where I can just be me and I can just close the door to, yeah, because I'm like more the introvert person. So if it's too much, too many people, I just need to shut the door. And keep <laughs> so yeah, spaces, I think is a very, very interesting topic actually. 
Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm, I'm just listening what you just said. I mean, this probably could be a separate podcast as well. I mean, when you just yeah. said, you know, you were interested in open space, a closed space, it's also kind of this, um, as you said, this introvert, extrovert, you know, maybe changing the space based on how you feel in that moment as well, or how we feel. Um, a closed space also has some restrictions, but also has some benefits. Yeah. Um, and yeah. This is also in the professional world, like uh, a lot of people are complaining that I'm home office and all that kind of stuff. Uh, for me as an introvert, actually, for me, it's good because I just need that space to finish my, my stuff. I'm more like, um, there are too many people around me and I get all the phone calls that I have to listen to. Like, this is going to disturb me. Mm. So, um, so some people need to be in an open space because they just have to talk with others all the time. But for me, it's like more, it's drawing out my energy. It, it doesn't mean that I'm not social. It's just like, we're all different, right? <laughs> totally. Yeah. I know I totally can relate to that as well. I mean, I'm also part introvert because, you know, introverts, they're gaining the energy from the silence. Yeah. Whereas others, extroverts, gaining the energy by lots of noise around them uh, and lots of conversations. But I guess yeah. it's also, you know, introverts also need some kind of extrovert moments in their life just to you know balance a little bit um yeah and, and again, you only sorry no no go ahead go ahead yeah and people always think that introvert people they can't stand up in front of a group and they can't do a presentation or anything or they don't show up on social media it doesn't mean like introvert is not shyness right so you can still show parts of your character and everything it's just like um it's different i don't know you just do it when you feel like okay now i'm gonna do it not because you have to exactly i mean this is also when you say it's different it's not necessarily bad or good it's just different and it's very yeah. important that we not touch you know whatever space we prefer maybe at a certain time of the day or general nice um so when i now imagine i'm sitting in or i'm standing in front of that home section that uh home yeah home section more or less having that book with the space in front of me and i open the first page what do i see on the first page it's a thank you letter it's like always when you open that book and you, there's that little note, thank you to my parents, to my partner, to my cat. I don't have a cat, not yet, but. So, so, <laughs> like so who. A little note actually at the beginning. So yeah. who, who would you think for? My parents, my parents, mm -hmm. that they always raised me up in a way that uh, I can always rely on them. That they're mm -hmm. always there for me. And my partner for for his support, like he believes in me, like no matter what I do, he, he's always there. And he also challenges my ideas. Like, um, yeah, I'm sometimes very in my mind, in my clouds over there. And he's like, yeah, do you think? So he's coming, getting me a little bit back on earth, <laughs> <laughs> uh, being a little bit more realistic, which is good. If you have someone who counterbalance you and um, you, yeah, just meet in the middle. Maybe someone would also we said with the three words, someone was also a little bit demanding on you to bring you back on earth. Yeah. As you said, like, yeah. Like for instance, in Ayurveda, they also say like, you have like these three different types, right? And the Vata people, I think I'm a mix like Vata Peter, like most of the Europeans, but the Vata people, they're always like 
oh, a little bit there, a little bit there, like root by the air, flying yes. a little bit around. And then you need someone who's grounding them again. <laughs> so this can be a person, this can be a diet that is grounding. And I've noticed, yeah, for me, it's a little bit like this. Sometimes I just need that pull down again. <laughs> like an anchor, kind of an anchor, someone who's like always anchor. having that. Some, yeah. Someone who gives you stability and someone who thinks first, because I'm sometimes more, I'm acting first, and then I think afterwards. <laughs> and uh, it's good, actually, also to, uh, to swap it up sometimes. Yeah, but it's also similar, like when I just see the image of an anchor, you know, you have some... I don't know how to call that. It's not a cord. It's like yeah, kind of something where you you still have some kind of freedom, but you're still grounded. You still know that you are not completely flying away. Let's say that yeah. you are floating away on, the, on like being a ship. And this is what Frankfurt has become for me. Like uh, the first, I think it's eight nine years ago that I first moved to Frankfurt. I didn't like the city. It was like a hate relationship, to be honest. And, um, but it became my hub and I can, I can accept Frankfurt as my hub, not as my home, but as a hub, which means like, okay, I can create my little space where I feel comfortable, but from yeah. here I have the freedom to travel wherever I want to be, especially like Frankfurt is so well located within Europe that it's yes. like easy to travel anywhere in Germany or Europe. Just wanted to say it's it's in the center of Germany. Don't my anchor, but from there I free them to fly. If there, of course, if there are like airplanes coming up. Or or at the moment with the trains, yeah. At least Frankfurt's very connected with trains as well. Nice. Um, so when I see now the thank you page, uh, and usually we go, you know, when we open. When the next pages we see the table of content and we see different chapters, uh, chapter names. Um, what would I see in your first chapter in your book? What would I, what, what, what story would I read in that chapter? Um, my story would probably start in 2013 when I was uh, working in Paris because this is where it basically started <laughs> the entire story um yeah so it would start with paris and from there all the trouble started <laughs> because you need some certain type of trouble in your life until you get active like most of us we have our comfort zone me too i'm always in my comfort zone unless you struggle and this type of struggle is going to make you act so I think every one of us has these moments in life uh, where there's one year, one month, one event that is like sticking out. And this mm -hmm. is where actually the story starts. So for me, the, that was like um, February 2013. Mm -hmm. And I was working for that fancy startup in the city of Paris. So next to the Convolvar, I had my MacBook. I was very excited being part of a team, taking care of the international market for Germany and everything it was very glamorous in my, in my opinion. <laughs> and then, um, so we were all working long hours, way longer than in Germany because French companies and startups. So it was quite a long day. And then all of a sudden I got like very much of a sudden pain over here in my heart, in my chest area. It just came from nowhere like this. And uh, I just moved over to my German colleague saying, I have to go out for a moment. I'm not feeling well. And she was like, 
yeah, take some fresh air, go out. I went outside to the door. I didn't know what was happening. It was very weird. And I just breathed in the, the little smoke of Paris. <laughs> and I didn't really feel well afterwards, but I had to get back into that co-working space because we still had to work a little bit. But from this day onwards, the pain came back. Not at the beginning, not every single day, but maybe every third, fourth day. Mm -hmm. And then from there, the next couple of months, it actually became a permanent pain all day long, like 24 hours. And okay. this is where it started. And this was where the struggle actually happened because I didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. So this would be the first chapter, Paris, Smog, Macbook. <laughs> <laughs> Paris, Smog, uh, Macbook. So did you know at that time, um, or did you assume some of the triggers? Um, or did the pain no. happen at a certain time, always at work, or was it, were you working? I didn't really have a clue what was going on, to be honest. I didn't really have a clue. I had, um, I had a relationship that I broke up the year before in September. And uh, I thought like, okay, maybe I still uh, have like a broken heart. I don't know. So it was still very fresh. I moved in January to Paris. And then in February, like the started started. And I also had to change apartments in Paris, which is such a nightmare to find an apartment over there. And I just okay. moved into the new apartment. So maybe this was also a trigger. Maybe we're speaking about spaces again. Maybe mm. that was not the right space for me. But I was happy to have at least finally my little apartment in Paris, <laughs> which always looks glamorous in the films, but in reality, it's not, to be honest. <laughs> yes, yes, that's, I, I agree with you. I've been a few times in Paris and it's not necessarily always like when you watch a movie about Paris, no. it's not always like that. It's actually in some parts also the, quite the opposite. But again, it's what you make out of it as well. You know, I mean, it's there. I think Paris has, has amazing amazing sweet little corners as well uh, yeah. you just need to discover them as well and going yeah, off, and i love so. the city i just wanted to be there so i really i worked in the city center i lived in the city center i was very close to the bastille so every time when i went out at the weekend it was revolution time right because all the french people they're gonna go out and they're gonna demonstrate so one weekend it's the demonstrations for something and the next weekend it's a demonstration against that topic so <laughs> it was a lot of fun and um yeah so i was right in the city very much involved into that new life <laughs> so a pretty action year or full year a year yeah. full of action uh, in that sense a, a different environment as well i mean you mentioned about that you know you were looking also for a different department or different space as you said maybe it was also this inner call uh, where you struggled to find a space um could have been stricken well the thing was and, like i was still in frankfurt when i was looking for an apartment and i just at this time we didn't even have like something like airbnb it didn't really exist yet so it was not like, oh, I'm just going to book myself in for four weeks. It was more like I went on Craigslist, you know, that website with all the scams. And then I just found an artist's apartment in the Marais, my, my favorite little area. So I just booked something for four weeks with that very naive opinion in my mind. Oh, I'm going to find something in four weeks in Paris. So Yeah, of course you can find something in four weeks, but it's not going to be 
what do you expect <laughs> yeah i mean if you if it is if money is not a, a problem then of course you can find some very quickly but it's always in this big city so it's the budget also um, yeah, and i was working for strada but i was not like um super well paid <laughs> <laughs> so so you you mentioned like you you throw in the buzzwords of like paris smoke uh, macbook um, how would you how would you call that chapter that very first chapter that uh, chapter all around 2013 in Paris? How would you call that chapter? The Savavivre and struggle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the struggle of the pain or the struggle of everything around everything the new environment. Everything was struggling. Like even if you go into a supermarket, be prepared to wait like 30 minutes in front of the cashier. Like everything is a struggle. If you want to go to the postal office, like just be sure that the machine where you get your stamps is broken. Like everything was a struggle. <laughs> yeah. But you had you had to learn to be patient as well in that time, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. This year really shaped me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. So from that chapter on, um, is that chapter all about 2013? Or would that chapter continue in 2014? Or when would that chapter end? Mm, this chapter actually ended in uh, in March 2014. March 2014. So what? What's <laughs> <laughs> so? From, so what happened after you quit your job? In other words, what what, what, hap what happens in the second chapter then? Yeah. Good question. Um, yeah, so the thing was like I had so much pain and all the time, all the time, and I went to all kind of doctors in Paris and it was hard to communicate in a foreign language, especially this type of different vocabulary. Like, is it like a fire pain or is it like a puncture pain? You know, all the difference that you do in the language, it's very hard to express the same thing in a foreign language. And I notice I just don't, I don't manage to communicate that differentiation with the French doctors. So I was commuting a little bit forth and back, seeing some doctors in Germany and France. I got all kind of diagnosis, everything from being, it's all in my mind up to she has a weird uh, pregnancy. Like I wasn't pregnant at all, but <laughs> anyway, I got all kind of different uh, diagnoses, and no one really could tell what's going on. And the thing was, like, I was not sleeping anymore, so I was awake during daytime, and I was awake during nighttime. And you can do this a couple of times, but after two weeks, like, this is gonna suck. <laughs> Yes. So basically, I had no more energy. I, I couldn't really concentrate. I was, oh, I was running at this time. So after work, I usually went for running along the Seine, uh, along Bastille area, just to shift a little bit my mindset. And uh, yeah, but there was that point where I actually went to my my boss in Paris, saying like, "Listen, I have these issues. I can't sleep anymore. I can't really concentrate." Uh, I'm fed up with the doctors over here. Just, I just asked them, can you, can you please quit my contract? And they said, no, you're doing a perfect job. We not gonna, we not gonna make you quit. If you want to quit, it's going to be you who's going to quit because also of the issues, like who's going to quit, you know, money afterwards. And so I was like, um, 
I was on the phone with my parents and my mom said a very, very important sentence. She was like, just do it for you. Just quit. And she was so right. And this sentence even stick to me today. Some things you just do it for yourself. And then the next day, I just quit. And I still had to be there for three months. So that's why it ended up <laughs> in 2014, so January, February, March. And then I could quit. But uh, yeah, I actually, all the nice decoration things that I got for my apartment to make it a little bit more cozy, I gave it to the homeless in Paris. Mm -hmm. I went to the metro station. I still had like a blanket and everything because it was always very cold in my apartment. Mm -hmm. So I had like some kind of blankets and I gave it to the homeless because I couldn't carry anything. I just went back with the train again. So I just had like a big suitcase. So at that time, and at that time when you decided to quit also, um, you also decided to move back to Germany. So yeah, because basically I didn't have a job anymore. I couldn't afford my super expensive apartment, which was crap. And also because of health insurance, because I needed to speak with German doctors again and I needed to be uh, certified. Like I had to deal with all these assurance issues in Germany and I couldn't really manage and figure that out because in France they made me wait for nine months just to get that little card to see a doctor. And if you don't have the card, it's always you who's going to pay, you know? Mm. So administration stuff over there was like a nightmare. So I went back, uh, registered as, yeah, person without job, moved in with my parents again, and then took plenty of appointments with all kinds of doctors. And in the meantime, I could still settle an agreement with that startup saying, okay, I'm still going to work for you, but from home office or from Germany. So I was still working for another year for them, actually, from Germany, just doing a little bit of freelancing stuff for them, which was good. So I was not totally, totally without a job. <laughs> yeah. So you went directly back to, to Frankfurt? No, Frankfurt's not my home. Frankfurt used to be that home before because I had my, my former relationship over there. Mm -hmm. But I went back to my uh, parents' home, which was close to Airfort Weimar, the center of Germany. Mm -hmm. Okay. So at that time where you went then back to Germany and you saw other doctors as well, um, was there better um, or better treatment or did they better find out what was the trigger of the pain? No, no to be honest, like no one had a clue. Like um, they all said like, oh yeah, it's your spine. Your spine is not perfect. You should do more exercise. But I was like exercising already at this time a lot actually. And like, yeah, I wasn't really clear. They... Um, yeah, it wasn't really clear. Okay, so what, what, what happened then afterwards when you went back to Germany? Well, I spent like the entire summer of 2014 at home, which was weird for me because, um, yeah, like at a certain age, moving back to your home place, being in your uh, children's room where you grew up was a bit weird to spend the summer like this. And in between um, applying for all kind of job positions, you know, yeah, I don't know, like people told me uh, apply for some consultant kind of positions, you're very analytical and everything. So I did that because I had no clue what to do other than this. 
So this was like the, the worst what I could have ever done. Consultant jobs. <laughs> and then I'm not even into it, which is not even matching to my profile, just because you have yeah. studied. Um, uh, just because you have a master's degree in strategy doesn't mean like that you have to apply to those kind of jobs. <laughs> yes. But like, I was clueless. I didn't know what to do. So I applied a little bit everywhere. And in the meantime, I'd managed um, my doctor's appointment and I was cooking healthy for me and my mom. And uh, I've read a lot of literature actually about uh, pain, a lot of like uh, how does pain manifest in the brain? Um, what can you do to relax and all that kind of stuff? A lot about diet and yeah. And then there was one day and my mom, she uh, she prepared um, the, the, the Sunday lunch, right? Um, so we had some goulash, I don't know. Like uh, I'm coming from a family in Thuringen, Thuringia, where we used to have a lot of meat. So I always liked the way how my mom prepared it and everything. That's like red meat, which is in a little roll, and it usually comes with that little cornichon, that little cucumber inside, and onions. So we used to have that a lot on on Sundays. And I was eating that, and then afterwards, like literally, <laughs> like my entire body was shaking, like everything, like I couldn't control. All the muscles were kind of having a reaction. And okay. It was all pain. And I yeah. didn't know what kind of reaction that was, uh, but my entire pelvis was like burning. So my dad actually had to get me to the hospital, which was in another small city next to it. And they just bumped the, these kind of injections into my, into my back, like several ones. And then the guy even said to me like, um, why don't you cry? And I was like, because it's painful if you're putting your injections into my back like this. And you know, like, because this was just a painkiller, they didn't know what to do with this, or they just bumped that painkiller into my back. And since then, I literally never touched red meat again. <laughs> so this was the, like the last wow. in my life after this kind of experience, which was horrible. Yeah. Wow. And since that time, you became vegetarian? Or Not did you yet. go directly to, to vegan? Not yet, actually. Like um, in September, then the same year, 2014, I finally got a job offer. I moved back to Frankfurt, and there I started to go into a gym because everyone was telling me, "Yeah, you need to have sports. You you have to have. You don't have enough muscles. You have to do that. Your body is not that." So I registered the first time in my life to be in a gym. I hated it. Um, they said, okay, do all these kind of stuff with the, with the, you know. The handles. And the weights. Yeah. And then I had a fitness training. It was quite nice. And uh, I told him about my story and everything. And he told me um, this could be actually a rheumatic disease. And he also told me that he got tested on this one. Mm -hmm. And um, I also told him that they that I actually had like checkups with the rheumatic uh, disease doctor, and they found out that I have like a certain marker in my blood that makes me prone to that kind of disease. And he told me he also has it, and uh, he has recently seen a television documentary saying that if you switch to an anti-inflammatory vegan diet, then you have less struggle. 
and then I switched to vegan. So it was his uh, fault. <laughs> <laughs> so you went directly to vegan? Mechanism, uh, not like the first step, like vegetarian and then uh, second. Phase. Well, in the past, especially in Paris, I was already vegetarian most of the time, to be honest. At my parents' place, I was still eating meat, sausage, not that much, but just a little bit. I, I always was already kind of vegetarian. But then when he told me maybe just skip all the, the milk products and stuff, maybe you're going to feel better. And then I just skipped it for one week and I noticed a huge difference already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Interesting. So when we, when we talk about the second chapter, um, and you mentioned the second chapter kind of started when you moved back to Germany or once you quit the job in, in Paris, um, is there something else in the second chapter? Um, or is, is it second chapter all about kind of restarting back in Germany, identifying what was kind of the pain problem. Well, the second chapter was like really about, um, I think I was at my lowest, my lowest point in my life. Like for me, it was very, I know, like I turned 30 in that year or no, no, that was later. But anyway, I didn't feel like everyone around you is doing career changing jobs moving in with their partner and i just uh. broke up went back almost <laughs> 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 jobless more or less so for me like uh, if i have to give this a name like this i know it was about it was a reset so i just had to quit it all and just come back and Reset everything, not just the diet, not just the place where you grew up, um, also career-wise. Like, I just had to, like a computer, shut reset down everything button. and then start again. A restart, kind <laughs> of a restart. It was a yeah. little bit like that. Okay. So how would you call that chapter then, the second chapter? Would you call it as a restart or reset? How would you call it? Let's call it shutdown first. Shutdown. <laughs> Okay, let's let's call it shutdown. Uh, and the shutdown, the second chapter. How long would that chapter last? Would it be the whole two thousand fourteen? It was March year? until September. March okay. until September two thousand fourteen. So from September onwards, where you got the new job offer, then yeah. when you started your job, what what changed then in your in your life? Well, the thing was, I had to play a role, right? Because one week before starting that new job i was still having an operation because they found something and i had to go to an operation i don't know and i was actually not allowed to sit after that operation okay. and one week later i already had to be uh, in the office environment pretending that i'm super fine super motivated super degree and uh, very motivated to do that job so it wasn't quite that <laughs> So for me, this was like the hardest part to pretend uh, that everything is fine, although nothing was fine. <laughs> so yeah, like this, I always had these situations where I felt like I have to put on a mask mm. and, and just have to function, although deep from the inside, it wasn't really working. Like you, you were just playing a role. So for the first weeks that you then kind of put a mask on, yeah, I had to, like, um, because my parents also said, like, okay, you have to come back to a normal life again, you have to have your own apartment, or at least I had a share apartment, 
yeah, they, they were right to push me out again because otherwise you just stay in that bubble and stay in your little hometown and don't move anywhere again. Uh, so it was right to, to push me out like a little bird from the nest. Um, but it was a little bit um, harsh. Yeah, because it was a big new company, uh, was very difficult to understand how it's working. Um, it was also a challenging job, to be honest, because um, my colleague, she went on a sabbatical very soon. Like maybe I was starting to work there for two or three months and then she disappeared to go to Southeast Asia for at least six weeks or two months, I don't know. And then I had to take over already her stuff. So I wasn't really ready on top to deal with this kind of challenge. Yeah, yeah because I yeah. had so much stuff in my own life going on. Yeah, and it, I was jealous probably because she was traveling and I was not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't isn't it always the case when you're starting a new job in the very first few weeks or very at least in the very beginning you always get the work from someone who take get yeah. go to holiday and then you're very overwhelmed and you yeah, like always. have you no always idea what to do. Exactly, yeah. and then you, and you actually, then you are you are the person who needs holidays immediately after, um, right. even if you it's just so started. You, it feels so unfair because no one told you when you do the job interview. You're like, yeah, okay, we're all a team, but no one's telling you that this person's gonna disappear soon. Yes. So feel like ah, that was the trap. <laughs> yeah. So what happened? What happened then shortly after when? It, um, I mean, no, in the, in the third chapter, was it also the time where you slowly got into, into um, yoga? Or was it at a later stage? Uh, a little bit, a little bit, because I okay. had now super fancy gym subscriptions. So I had to use it up. I was calculating that I have to go there at least three times a week to make it up. <laughs> okay, three times is quite a lot, yeah? For, so, for someone who don't like gyms. <laughs> So I actually went during the lunchtime sometimes um, because it was right next to my workplace. There, so there was no excuse. Sometimes okay. I went swimming uh, in the lunch break or sometimes just right after the work. Okay. And um, I slowly got into it and then I got so bored by the machines and then I only attended all the classes and then I did a little bit of yeah, the typical stuff, you know, but no Zumba, I'm not a Zumba person. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I saved up all my money and all my vacation days. And then I also went traveling by the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, because uh, as I said, sometimes you need that struggle. Um, so I was slowly getting back better with a change of uh, my diet and getting back to a normal routine and yeah, and then I just decided at the end of the year, okay, now I didn't go on vacation for all the year, now I'm going to move. So I was traveling for about three, four weeks then in December mm -hmm. and also went to Southeast Asia. I was traveling a little bit around over there, trying to find my purpose, trying to get enlightened. But I've noticed it doesn't work like this. If you just wait to get enlightened, it doesn't come straight away with your flight ticket. That's true, yeah. I just went there with a big backpack and uh, there was not really Instagram out there. Well, there was, but I wasn't really on it, to be honest. So I wouldn't say that Bali was still hidden, but it was way less crowded than it was today, probably. So I went a little bit to Indonesia, to Malaysia. I've been visiting my former roommate in Taiwan. 
spend a, a little bit of time with her and her family. I was just getting a little bit along and seeing some other cultures, some other places. And um, yeah, this is where I discovered yoga for me because um, I still had that pain when I was running. So, and in Asia, I could do yoga outdoor at beautiful places. Like I remember there was that little hill um, in Indonesia and they had a little yoga shala right on top. Yes. And uh, that was very nice to do the class over there. I didn't know what I was doing yoga wise, but uh, the view was amazing. <laughs> Yeah, in in on 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 the on um, on your Instagram page on the English Yoga Meetup Instagram page, you had once a uh, couple of months ago, I think it was beginning of the Corona uh, journey for all of us. Um, you had an interesting short video, and you mentioned your very first experience about yoga. You said it was actually in Zurich hot yoga yeah. I believe and it was like terrible experience for you uh, I think you said that is it totally sucked it was a terrible like like when I when I saw the video like oh my god I mean what has changed <laughs> in that time and you know and so is actually creating this English yoga meetup kind of community and yeah. like oh my god 10 years ago so what has changed since that experience in Zurich compared to your Asian encounter or new encountering of yoga? So the, my first yoga class was probably something about 2008. And I used to work for an airline in, in Zurich. And my best friend told me, yeah, you know, Lady Gaga has this studio where she trains in Zurich. And I was first <laughs> not into Lady Gaga. And second, I was not into yoga. But she told me, yeah, if she goes there, we need to go there. OK, so we got the 10 ticket pass. We only went, I think she went twice. I only made it once. <laughs> <laughs> and especially in Zurich, it's like super pricey to get such a subscription for a studio. Anyway, we went in there. It was horrible. It was hot yoga, 40 degrees. Again, I was like trying to hide in the back. And we, you had like all the super flex girls in the first row with the mirror. And uh, of course, you almost do it like in a bikini. So you watch yourself all the time, 90 minutes. And for me, this was like probably the worst exercise that I've done in my entire life. Wow. And uh, I was just looking at the end of the class to my friend. She was also dying, so I was not the only one. And we just decided, okay, let's not go back. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, this is still like uh, the little introduction part when I speak about um, my teacher experience. So when people yes. book my class, this is always the story that comes. <laughs> So I feel like um, yoga and me, that was not love at first sight. But interestingly, I've noticed that uh, a lot of things in my life were not love at first sight. Like also with Frank, what I told you, I have like a love and hate relationship, but I kind of learned to love that city. It was also uh, a little bit at the beginning with the French language, uh, like my first French class, I felt like, okay, this is a very weird language. And I couldn't have uh, figured it out that later on I would live there. So sometimes um, you have a certain point, opinion about something, and you notice it's totally not what you have expected. And then you either refuse or you try again. <laughs> and my trial again was probably six years later. <laughs> and I just did um, 
yeah, well, because I was traveling, I had a backpack and I had my running shoes with me, uh, but I got a little bit bored of running all the time and also with my back pain wasn't perfect. So then I switched to yoga because the nice thing about yoga is like you don't have to have any equipment. You just need your body. You can even do it without a mat. You don't necessarily need a mat, right? So this is perfect. When you're a traveler, uh, yoga is like the perfect thing because you just you have everything you need. You just have your body. Kind of, kind of a minimalistic. Skill. Yeah, again, we're coming back or to movement. that. Or movement, back to the minimalistic style. And you don't need anything in order to practice it. Yeah. So what's it? Arana, you know what it means. You only need your shoes and you're good to go and you can do it anywhere. If you're exactly. in Los Angeles, Munich, if you're in Berlin, you're just in, in Berlin. So I like those kind of sports that don't attach you. You know, if you go to tennis, you have to book that court, you have to have the equipment. I used to do badminton uh, quite a bit in the, in the past. And then you always need your partner first to do it. And then you, of course, you need your, your thingy to play, right? Yes. Yeah, so there are so many sports that are non-fussy without yes. all the additional stuff. Yeah, yeah, there are so many sports where you, you know, have to check tick the checkbox first before you even can start doing it. And that itself already is very energy sucking sometimes, you know, because there's a lot of mistakes like and you need a lot of equipment. Exactly. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's snowboarding. I mean, there are some sports where you depend on the weather also. And then yeah. the weather god is not always on your side um, or it doesn't like that kind of sport <laughs> at certain yeah. times where you want to go over the weekend. So it's, it's you know, it's with, with running or with yoga. I mean, you can do it pretty much everywhere. Indoors, mm -hmm. outdoors, um, of course, with running, it's more likely to do it outside. But, you know, it's not something where you're limited in terms of like, you know, you can't, can't do it for sure if there's certain no. circumstances. Yeah. So, so in, in Asia, when you kind of encountered again yoga, was it, was it a different yoga style? Um, yeah, it was different. So first of all, it was not indoors, it was outdoors, which makes like a huge difference. So it was at beautiful places. Um, it was at the beach, the sunset, it was in the mountains, um, a little bit everywhere. So I always had to choose the classes that I understand because I was traveling in Asia. So most of the times I couldn't follow, <laughs> I was a little bit lost. And sometimes the teachers, they were coming from Thailand. So it was a little bit hard to understand them. Um, yeah, I, I was always Googling English yoga class somewhere that I could join. And uh, the thing was also I was traveling, so I couldn't really subscribe to any kind of studio to really be there because I didn't even know if next week I'm gonna be somewhere else if I want to travel, right? Mm -hmm. So it was just like, I, I looked and when I came across something, I just went there, did the class a couple of times. Sometimes I met other people. I remember I met a, met a very nice girl from um, the Netherlands. She was also traveling on her own. And we did the yoga class together in the mountains up there. Uh, and I, I had a little scooter accident over there. So I was afraid of taking the scooter again. And so I was walking all the way up to the mountain. And then we did the class together. And then she asked me, how are you going to go back? And I was like, well, I'm going to walk. And she was like, no, come on, just jump on the scooter. So we went back on the scooter down to the beach and we actually met some people from Indonesia, uh, some locals, and then they were like uh, singing songs with us 
at the guitar, watching the sunset, which was very nice afterwards to have that little local experience. So I don't know, it was just that mix of space, meeting people and having a good chat and a good workout. And the style was also different because um, in hot yoga, you always have the same sequence. So you're always doing the same stuff. I'm like a person, I'm getting annoyed by doing the same stuff over and over again. I always need a change. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm more like on the Hatha Vinyasa yoga side. And uh, I appreciate it to have some other different styles over there. Mm, I mean, as you said, it's also not just the yoga itself. It's everything around the community, meeting new people, different cultures, meeting actually people from yeah. different cultures as well. Because yoga also combines or connects without a language actually uh, without yeah and once you yeah. learn the vocabulary it's a little bit like a language in yoga once you learn what it means a downward facing dog and warrior two you can do that anywhere so if you join the class in new york or in mexico or somewhere in chile it's going to be the same thing mm -hmm. so that's good if you learn that language once and then afterwards um yeah, maybe people are open for chat. Sometimes they are not. It always depends. Like, again, we're speaking about spaces. Sometimes you enter that space. Sometimes you enter a class and you feel like I'm not at the right spot. <laughs> yes. You can tell within the first couple of minutes, you know if you're going to be at the right spot or not. If it's not your studio, you're just going to feel it. And you feel it's like also... out of place. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so many, um, you know, people... Uh, or people who want to go to yoga, you know, it's it's the chemistry also between the yoga teacher um, and of course the people who want to join uh, yoga. Um, it's that chemistry actually in the end of the day because even the yoga teacher is communicating, it's transferring certain energy or a certain a different language, um, which is again, as you say, like it's a, it's a space, but it's also a chemistry between people actually. It's a social yeah. communication. Um, it's very interesting, actually, on the yoga side, yeah. Um, so tell me, what happened then after the, the journey in Asia? And I must have, did you kind of adopt that yoga style then when you went back to Germany? Well, um, like there's always that day when it's the last day of your vacations and you have to come back. <laughs> <laughs> and that day came very quickly. <laughs> so I had to go back. But I was changing jobs in between. So I started another job within the same company. And again, a little bit like lost at the beginning, um, coming back from this amazing trip. And uh, I was good pain-wise at that time. Uh, and it was probably, I think it was 2015. We're speaking about January 2015. Changed the jobs, started working in the new job. And then in February, probably the pain hit me again. <laughs> but this time I didn't have like chest pain. This pain, uh, this time I had like um, lower back issues. And because of all the story with Paris, I noticed um, I'm gonna handle this quickly because I don't wanna have to have like a chronic issue. So the first day it popped in, I made an appointment, went to a special natural practitioner whatsoever very popular in Frankfurt, got my injections, and then I had to work from a standing desk. And everyone in my new team was like asking, oh, you're working standing. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's 
I couldn't actually sit. <laughs> but yeah, but the thing was like, uh, I paid my huge bill for that practitioner and I went there again and probably a third time, but it still became chronic. <laughs> okay, so it didn't help at all, the standing then? No, like, it was just like short term, you get the injections, the painkillers or, but it didn't really help. So mm. I kept on, kept on doing and I kept on going to the gym after work and I noticed, okay, um, yeah, it's getting a little bit better if I do the yoga stuff, depending on what kind of poses, what I do. And at this time, I also discovered all the videos on YouTube uh, of Liebscher und Pracht. Mm -hmm. And um, these are, um, it's a couple in Bad Homburg, which is next to Frankfurt, and they are specialized on everything deep tissue related. So they have an amazing collection of videos for any kind of pain, back pain, neck pain. And I was basically consuming all their videos. <laughs> and I tried to educate myself a little bit about what does it mean uh, with this deep tissue? How can I help myself? What kind of exercises do I need to do? And it got better slowly, not perfectly, but at least I could do like a normal life. Mm -hmm. And then later on, I also did uh, the education with them. Yeah. So I did like um, a little program with them just to dive a little bit deeper into that kind of topic because first of all, I just wanted to learn more about anatomy and how it all works. Mm. Yeah. But at that time you had a very natural interest already to dig deeper a little bit into that whole... Yeah, because I noticed, um, the, so the first couple of years was a lot about literature, about diet, anti-inflammatory diet, about rheumatic mm. diseases, about vegan, because I didn't know what to cook. Like literally I was like, what does vegan actually mean? What is gluten? And what should I buy? Like uh, at the beginning, I was only buying the crackers and tips because I was like, okay, I'm totally lost. What should I cook now? And uh, I had to learn actually that way, um, how, to, how to find substitutes. And due to this journey, I've actually learned way more new um, recipes, new ingredients that I would have never thought about that exist. You know, I'm also coming from that really small little town. So you don't find their chia seeds, you don't find their mm -hmm. mango, you know, they have carrots and they have cucumber and that's it. So uh, I want to- limit it a little bit in cooking. Yeah. <laughs> and in Paris as well, like it was very basic. It was not like all these fancy stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so I think first chapter was about diet, second chapter was more about um, the second, learning I mean, about the anatomy, learning a little bit about deep tissue, uh, fascia, learning about pain and also relaxation methods. How can you actually, um, yeah, get, get yourself a little bit down here? Mm. I mean, you, you, you called the, the second chapter, you called it a shutdown. Uh, and I, lockdown, shutdown, lockdown, shutdown, a shutdown. When, when we now talk about the third chapter where you, you know, went for the, the holidays, you encountered again yoga, you went back, uh, you learned more about deep tissue as well. Would you say the third chapter is kind of going out of that shutdown? Yeah, this was definitely out of the shutdown. Um, I know it was like the Asian adventure. 
the Asian adventure. Oh, you would call would you call it the third chapter Asian ad adventure? Yeah, that's the Asian adventure. Okay. So the holiday itself become almost its own kind of chapter. Yeah, because <laughs> it was like I also because of all this trouble in Paris, I, I didn't really travel. All the years before that, I used to travel anywhere because I used to work for that airline and I was literally flying for 60 euro to New York forth and back. So I imagine for that price, I've been traveling all over. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I had to give up that traveling during uh, all these difficult times. And Asia was like the first time again when I actually was telling myself, I'm able to travel on my own again with big backpack and everything. And to have that self-confidence that it's going to be fine, that I'm going to be maybe in pain and I'm going to be abroad, but I can manage. Yes. But you also gained a little bit more self-confidence as well. You weren't Yeah, completely... because I was very down at that time. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Self-confidence self just crashed, right? <laughs> so the time where you went back and you got a little bit more, you got in deep tissue, more yoga, also changed way more your diet. And you started, you know, at, again, your new job in, in February 2015 or around spring. What happened then at that time? Was that kind of a second side law follow-off of yoga or? No, not yet. Like I, I told you, like yoga was not right away. <laughs> This took me a while. I don't so know. I just need yeah. to be honest, I can't really remember. Those were pretty much maybe years that just passed by like this that mm -hmm. were not very super exciting, probably. Um What yeah. was like, what was then happening in 2015, 16 or? Well, I think 2015, 2016 was just like um, setting up my life again. And um, yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing worth mentioning. Nothing, nothing special that came, that came to my mind here, no. Um, yeah. So in... So what happened then after after yeah. that then after that kind of empty chapter more or less after 2016 well in 2016 um basically i broke up again so it was a little bit like going forth and back with that person uh, but 2016 we finally made that cut and we didn't come together after a lot of being on and off all the time uh we finally said like okay let's stop it over here it was like relationship of nine years which was yeah quite a quite a long time when you think about it and um, mm. it takes you also time to de-attach right and you you're never really gonna de-attach because you've spent so much time especially in your 20s when uh, when you meet someone you share so many travels together and uh, so many memories so this was kind of that time so that was 2016 and then as always in my life I always work a lot full full time non-stop and then I need that break and I actually I now that I was not attached anymore to that person um, I actually applied for the visa to go to Australia <laughs> Because with Australia, I always had this on my bucket list. I don't know why, but I always had on my bucket list, I want to do that work and travel. And it didn't really manage 
to do it earlier in my 20s just because I was studying, I was working or there was always something in between. But like they had that deadline at this time, it was 30 years old. And then mm. afterwards, you can't get the work and travel anymore. So I just applied and I gave myself one year because I had to prepare myself. For, okay, in one year, I'm going to go there. Uh, a sabbatical. So I was okay. collecting all my holidays. I was two months off with my holidays. And then I asked for another three months <laughs> unpaid, unpaid leave. And yes. because I, I didn't really have like a stable contract or anything, they just said, okay, you can be away for five months. And then afterwards, we're going to find you another mission. I was like, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a good thing. Um, because I finally could do that. Finally could do that trip. I didn't have an idea. I was just like, okay, I need a break. I want to go to Australia. I had other friends who went, who've been there. Um, yeah. I was always jealous that I never made it. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you, did you have any plans? I mean, but you, you wanted to have uh, to do the work and travel, but did you want to go to a certain part of Australia? Uh, well, first of all, I, I just wanted to do like the typical stuff, of course, uh, like the cross side. I, I kept this list, you know, I, at the, in my early 20s, I had this list uh, with 10 or 12 things that I want to do before I turn 30. Mm. And I have probably written that list at the age of 23. And then at the age of 28, 29, I looked at the list and I noticed I've done almost nothing. I have done almost nothing. Okay. I was like so shocked. I was like, oh my gosh. But like, I had this dream to do this and this and that. And one point was, um, I want to see the Gold Coast. At this time, probably, I didn't even know where is the Gold Coast. <laughs> Now I know where it is. And uh, I just talked and said, okay, let's see how it goes over there. Uh -huh. So I went there. Um, it's direction main, but I actually arrived in Sydney. And um, yeah, I arrived in Sydney in an Airbnb, was completely jet lagged and uh, slept the first day in my Airbnb, which was, um, the place was horrible, but the area, the neighborhood was very nice. Um, and from there, I, uh, yeah, first I discovered a little bit, then I figured out what I want to do, my travel plans, and then I had like a, a rough concept. So I wanted to travel, I wanted to see the outback, I wanted to sleep underneath the stars in the outback, um, I want to travel all the way up to the coast and see uh, the crocodile, I don't know. So I had my rough plan. Uh -huh. And then I wanted to work a little bit because Australia is crazy expensive. So you'd better have a little job there. Otherwise, your money is going to run out very quickly. And then I wanted to travel with my boyfriend because actually in 2016, I met someone, someone else. And I just had to tell this person, it's nice that we're going to meet. But actually, in a couple of months, I'd be gone. <laughs> <laughs> but we still made it. And so he joined me on this trip and we nice. were traveling uh, for three or four weeks together, more, more like four weeks, yeah. And we did actually New, New Zealand and Australia together because he always wanted to see New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And then um, it was actually during the trip that I decided, okay, I still want to do my teacher training because before the trip, I was always a little bit like, oh, am I going to? do my yoga teacher training in India because India is the place to do it. 
but then I was like comparing a little bit the prizes to go to India and I didn't know what type of school, what type of style. And I just, I just didn't really consider India then afterwards. I had a school that I wanted to do, but then just dropped it. And then when I was in Australia, I was buying all the yoga magazines and in the back part, again, we're talking about magazines, in the back yeah. part of all these ads. So yes. I was studying all the ads with the schools, okay. And I only had like a certain month available from the five months where I could actually do that training. And then there was basically only one program that matched with the date, with the price, with the location, because Australia is huge, right? <laughs> so that was in Byron Bay, which is a little bit like the very hipster, boho place. Mm -hmm. Everyone is bare feet, everyone has hasta and a van, very Instagram style. Yes. Um, of course, everything is gluten-free over there and uh -huh. vegan. So it's a little bit that type of little Indeed. town yeah. to the club site mm -hmm. and I was like yeah I can stay there to do my teacher training and that's not an issue <laughs> so, so when you when you decided yeah. to do that teacher training um did you had already something else in mind for the future were they kind of uh, um, becoming a yoga teacher yeah. afterwards nothing it was just yeah, for you again, personally yeah again I just wanted to uh, I did the teacher training just to get better in my own practice and to learn a little bit more about anatomy and uh, yeah, also before doing the teacher training, I actually worked in a studio in Adelaide because I spent quite some time in Adelaide because I was working for the Fringe Festival finally, which is like a huge uh, festival for everything artists. It's actually the biggest event in the Southern Hemisphere. So artists from all over the world, they come there, collect there, mm -hmm. and they do their shows. So I was just a ticketing girl. So. But it was a fun summer job. So I lived in LA quite some time. And in LA, we had a very nice US studio and it recently opened up. I still love their classes. And during Corona times, they even streamed them online. So I could have joined them. But with the time difference, it was always very tricky. I see. So yeah, I went to that studio, but um, the thing was, it was very expensive. Or even for Australians, it was quite expensive. But me as a backpacker, it was like out of my range. But yeah. they had a cool program and they called it uh, Karma Yoga. So basically, you could work there and then you get the yoga for free. And this program worked for two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. So I had the very non glamorous job of cleaning the mats. <laughs> <laughs> so after each class, you had uh, your tea tree oil, you know, that Australian product that smells ridiculous. Uh, but this is very good for disinfection. So I had to clean mm -hmm. all the mats because especially in Australia, and it was kind of in a heated room, it was all sweaty. Mm. I don't even want to think about it now with Corona and everything. I just wanted to say it's one of the most important shops ever time, currently. <laughs> at this time, I had to clean all the mats from the, from the participants. I had to clean all the yoga blocks, uh, the teacher mat, and I was taking care that the, shower, uh, the plants always yeah, got a little bit of water and that everything looked nice in the studio. So I was kind of the housekeeping girl, if you want to put it that way. Mm -hmm. But... 
I could join all the classes for free, which was a good deal for me. Nice. <laughs> and you saved a lot of money in that sense. In yeah, that and then yeah. she bumped into two very nice girls. One was British. She also lived there. And another one was German. She, she did kind of some studies over there. Okay. And uh, once they organized a surf day trip with the studio, so all the yogis went out and learned surfing. Of course, you can't learn it on one day. And I was totally proud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this again, if I'm ever going to be into surfing, I think this is going to be, again, another long story like with yoga, but I'm not into surfing at all. The <laughs> <laughs> um, so time, yeah. Yeah, yeah but it was nice that it was not a new yoga studio, but they also did mm. a little bit next to it. In the time when you started also the yoga training, um, was it also kind of beneficial for your pain, back pain? Um, um, actually not. Not, actually okay. Not. Um, I've done the training and I kind of expected that it should disappear because, again, you have like certain beliefs. It should be like this. And I remember that one day, it was probably in the second or third week, and a lot of people crash in the second or third week in their teacher training when they do the 200 hours, just because the pressure is like so high, you have to learn so much. And it's just a very short time where you do the teacher training and it's very physically demanding to get up every day in the morning at five and be on the mat all day long. And then in the evening to still revise the stuff. So a lot of people actually crashed during the second and third week mentally. Me too, I crashed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember like um, I, I talked to my, to my teacher, I was saying like, actually, like I'm not getting better. I have like a really sharp pain. And he told me, and this shocked me, um, you know what? Uh, you're an Aries, I'm an Aries as well. And um, you know, you can deal with a lot of pain and everything, but you know, when I teach, I always have knee pain. Uh-huh. I was like, Shit. because for me, like a yoga teacher, I was like, no, but he knows his body and he doesn't have any pain. And he told me that no matter when he teaches yoga, he always has like knee pain going on, like strong knee pain because he had a surf accident in the past. And I just figured out um, a couple of months ago that he finally did that knee operation now and he had to stop teaching yoga. So no more teacher trainings with him, mm-hmm. at least for a while. So for this, this didn't really match with my expectation of yoga teacher, super healthy. Why does he have knee pain, you know? Okay. Yeah. So you, what, what happened then? Um, did you had a complete, as you said, you have a complete different image, uh, but also did it kind of change the interest in yoga or that lifestyle or was it something which you were not so affected? No, I didn't really, I didn't really know why I was doing this. Uh, first of all, I wanted to do it for myself. Um, but then during the teacher training, I actually noticed that I like teaching. Mm-hmm. Like first, I, I started the program because I, I loved yoga, but during the teacher training, I actually, uh, notice that I like to swap sides and be on the other side on the mat and to actually teach it. And uh, this was something that I didn't expect. So that interest in teaching just came out of a sudden. 
And I was sure like, if I'm not gonna apply it directly, I'm gonna be too afraid to teach afterwards. So right after my teacher training in Byron Bay, I went uh, back to Sydney and worked for a retreat, a yoga retreat, a little bit in the hinterland, very nice. And I've done my first yoga class over there in that yoga retreat, which was oh. also like Ayurveda focused. And um, can you yeah, remember nice. the can you remember the very first session, yoga session? When yeah. You were How was that? I was super nervous. You know, like our teacher always told us, when you start teaching, start with two friends, maximum two people. I've started with a class of 22 and a dog. And the dog. So, yeah, there was a dog <laughs> in the class. Like someone of the clients brought their dog. And I still have that picture where you see the big group with the dog, <laughs> which was fun. And, and I literally like the whole day before that, uh, I was planning the entire sequence. I didn't know what kind of music. I, I didn't even know how to connect the music, to be honest. <laughs> But like, how does it work? How do I show it? connect with my Bluetooth. So I was very lost. There were other yoga teachers over there. So we shared the room. There was a Canadian girl. Um, yeah, they showed me. And then the first class went well. And I remember people did this one at the end, which was kind of um, a very nice moment for me. And I actually told them it was my first class. And they were like, so, oh, let's do a picture. So I still have that picture of my very first class, which was nice. Nice. So what happened um, after that very first experience when you started teaching? Did you stay for a longer time period also in Sydney or in Australia? I would, have loved to, then, I would have loved to stay longer, but the thing was like um, I had to come back already because during my sabbatical, I actually passed job interviews. I had to come back to my old company, start that new job. Uh -huh. So I was coming back. Uh, just had one day to relax and then was working already again. And then the next day I was teaching already in Frankfurt. <laughs> Because I taught myself, if I'm not going to do it right away, I'm not going to do it anyway. So I yes. just, uh, like during my travels, I discovered that at Meetup. So I used it a little bit when I was in Adelaide and Sydney and I joined the, some outdoor classes over there. Uh, but I was always having a hard time to find the group because on Meetup it was not clear where to go. <laughs> so sometimes I missed the classes because I couldn't find the location. Yes. And so I've set up my own group and I remember uh, I was so excited. Like after the first week I had like five participants in that group already, which was, yeah. How did you, how did you call the group? How did you call I the group? I called it Frankfurt English Yoga Meetup, which is very basic. But because I'm coming from a marketing perspective, this is what you Google, right? Like uh, if you're a little bit into search engine optimization, what would you search as a user? You search Frankfurt Yoga in English. Yes. So that's why I just kept the words. And um, yeah, so very basic name. And uh, my first class, that was in June. 2017, with two Why? people uh -huh. in the park. Nice. Why did you choose English in the name? What, 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 what is the reason? Because for, me it was clear, because for me, it was clear that I'm always going to teach in English. Because first of all, I have done the teacher training in English. And I knew like all the vocabulary in English. And 
Yeah, I mean, there are so many great teachers already in Frankfurt and they're all teaching in German, but um, I felt like there was no one who's caring about the expats. And especially because it's been a while that I'm living in Frankfurt, I've noticed that Frankfurt's getting more and more international. And I have like a circle of friends that is very international in Frankfurt and I noticed they're all struggling with the German language. And um, yeah, for me, when I was traveling in Indonesia, I always noticed how hard it is for me to follow a class when I don't get the language. So uh, me too, I was always looking for English offers. Mm-hmm. So that's why for me, right from the beginning, it was clear that it's going to be only in English. Yeah, I can hear between your words also that, you know, because you also quite deep into SEO optimization, marketing, but also you're an entrepreneur by yourself that you're at that time also try to find your own gap in the market. Um, yeah. My customer segment, you know, where you don't compete with so many other yoga teachers, um, especially as a beginner. Uh, beginner yeah, uh, and the, the, thing teacher was like, the thing was like also, okay, I went five months off. So for sure, I'm not going to travel that quickly again. So when I don't travel, I want to have the people travel to me. So I like to be surrounded by other internationals. I just get bored if I'm only surrounded by Germans. I'm working in a very German company. Everything's German. If someone is speaking English, like everyone's shocked already. So yeah, it, it's it's just different. I need that in my free time to be surrounded with other internationals. Otherwise, you are very limited in your mindset, I feel like. Mm-hmm. So for me, this was also a chance when I don't travel to meet other travelers. And um yeah so, so that that's where your inter extrovert part step in where you need to be surrounded <laughs> and the other thing, like you always change your character because every mm-hmm. foreign language allows you to adopt a new character i'm different when i speak german mm-hmm. um my partner he's french so like every third day i speak french with him every second day we speak german and every first day we speak english so we always mix the languages and um i feel like i'm always a different person when i speak english and i'm also different when i'm german so i think every new language also allows you to show a different side of you and it's also you know it's also the the style you're talking um German, of course, you know, sounds very harsh, hard at the same time. Whereas English is, you know, you, you, come, you can communicate in a different way, in a more maybe fluent way, rather than communicate the same. And also the vocabulary, as you say, you know, when you're talking about yoga specific topics, it might be so much more natural coming out from you in English rather than in German. Exactly, because I've been doing a couple of classes for Goethe Institute, uh, also for Deutsche Bahn, and then I had to teach in German the classes, and I was, it was such a mess because I'm just not used to it, and then I was like on the mat searching for my words, and it was a little bit embarrassing still because I'm a German native speaker, so I just noticed that everything is like a habit, and if you just don't have the habit to teach in that language, it's just going to be awkward. Mm-hmm. And people will notice, like, it's just not the same vibe if the person, yeah. Because then you're more thinking about the words than about your sequencing and stuff. I agree, yeah, totally agree. So that the time, I mean, just quickly go back a few months before you went back to Germany again, the time in, in Australia where you did the yoga training, 
Um, would you dedicate that time towards a specific chapter, which would be then the fourth chapter? Would you say the time in Australia, the a couple of months? Dream. The Australian dream. Because I always say, like, if I wouldn't be attached here in Germany uh, with my parents, with my family, my granddad became an auntie, um, my boyfriend, then, then I would probably go to Australia now. So okay. for me, it was a little bit like that dream life. Oh, you're close to the ocean. You have a different lifestyle. And yeah. I still have one from the teacher training. She stayed there. And I always follow how she's creating her life in Australia. And this, again, it's like, oh, she's doing it. I would love to do the same. Uh -huh. so, nice. Yeah, so, I would call the chapter the Australian dream. How would you call it, say again? The Australian dream. Australian dream. Okay, it's interesting because when you when you had the third chapter, you called it the Asian uh, experience. Adventure. Okay. Adventure or adventure it was. Yeah, and then it went from the Asian <laughs> adventure towards the Australian dream. <laughs> it could be yeah. a travel book actually. Paris struggle Asian and then Australian. Let's see what's coming next. <laughs> so the time when you went back then. Um, in, in Germany, and you started that meetup. How did it go? How was that time? Well, it was summertime, which was good to start such a thing. Um, like, as I said, the first class, there were only two people, and I've earned four euro. <laughs> but you have to start from somewhere, right? So if you're an entrepreneur, and you, you don't start anywhere, you yeah. This is just the beginning. And of course, I didn't do it for the money. I just wanted to gain that experience first. What does it actually mean to work with people? How do you adjust? Because like in my teacher training, I didn't really learn how to adjust. And I just had to actually observe people, how people are built differently. And some people like to be touched, some others don't. You, you just have to get a feeling for this one first. So I was happy to start with small groups, and then during that summer, it slowly built up. We were growing into a little bigger community. Then we slowly had like classes with 10 people. And then it turned autumn and um, I was actually uh, renting a yoga studio. And I always had my Tuesday evening class over there. I got the very last slot from 8.30 to 9.30. But that was nice because after this one, no one came into the studio. So I always had the time afterwards to clean up the studio and to have a little chat with my students because there was no one knocking on the door, hey, it's me next time. Mm -hmm. uh, this was like, this Tuesday was becoming my main yoga day actually. And it was just one class a week. Interesting. So you mentioned on, on Instagram once that, um, oh, actually you asked yourself the question of what, did change in your life through yoga. And you said that you, the beauty of yoga is that you can see the progress. And you, of course, need to you know, give yourself time and patience as well. But it's also, it helped you to, or yoga kind of changed you in a way that you, it represents for what you stand up for. You know, it is kind of a simple, also what you're standing up for. And, uh, and you mentioned about a very specific leg or specific poses, which, you know, you kind of open up your body as well, where you kind of, you know, getting that fresh air, that, you know, releasing aspect as well, which also helped with your pain as well. So at that time, uh, did you also see the benefits 
in yourself as well by doing yoga, connecting with the pain, or did you kind of develop that over the years then? Um, good question. What I really enjoyed was like to see that I was creating something. This was like the first time in my life that I was actively uh, creating something like that way of community. Mm -hmm. And I was always looking forward uh, to the Tuesday class and I always came home very late, sometimes at 11. Uh, but I still had like this motivation, that push that was like, oh, I can do anything, right? Yes. So uh, I just noticed that when you start creating something that you really enjoy, for you, it's not work. For you, like this gives you a deep push to move on. And of course, there were times that were struggling and everything. Um, but yeah, we made it through. And uh, with the pain, I I've learned to accept it, which is already good. Because to a certain time, up to a certain degree, you have to accept things in life. Because otherwise, you're just taking your energy and always work against it. And um, I have learned to live with that. And if I just have like a really bad day, I just do a little bit more of exercises where I know they, they do me well. And um, yeah, just take what, what is good for me. You mentioned about... Yeah, um, yeah go ahead. Sorry. No, no, yeah, go for it. And, uh, I'm a strong believer, as I said in this video on Instagram, like posture is key because you can actually walk through the city and you can totally tell who's happy, who's not unhappy. You can actually see it in the face. Like everything um, is reflected in your face. So if you have like really tension in the shoulder, you're going to see it in the muscles in your mm -hmm. face, right? If you're always closing up like over here, probably what I have done in Paris, you don't have enough space over here and you feel it right in your heart center and you feel like you have a heart problem, although you don't. So sometimes the tension is just coming from the back. So mm -hmm. I've noticed a huge difference. And this is also what I noticed in the classes. Um, when you open this part of the body, you actually change your emotion, your emotional state. And um, this, if you know about this, you can shift your mindset. So if you have a really bad day, you can always you know what kind of tools you can apply to make you feel better and this is very powerful so if you had like a really crappy day at work or something just didn't really work out it, at least you know what you could do to shift your emotional state mm -hmm. yeah. you have you have something where you can at least try to, to solve something that you can rely to and you don't have to go and see a doctor who's going to give you any kind of medication that's going to bring your hormones and endorphins up the good thing is to be independent from someone else the good thing is that you are in control the way how you eat the way how you prepare your food the way you exercise the way you sleep uh, this is going to have an impact on your health. So it's very powerful actually to be in, in control of your own health. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You mentioned um, that was the first time where you kind of had the feeling you're creating something, kind of an entrepreneur mindset. What did you learn for yourself in that time as an entrepreneur in the first mm -hmm. few months and maybe in 2017 when you started uh, English Yoga Meetup as well? Well, I've learned that it's very different that from what you learn at university, right? So I had a master's in economics. And of course, you always say, write your business plan, do the market research, 
through your segmentation, segment the customers, target them differently, you know, all that stuff. All the theory was there, was available. But when I started, I didn't have that in mind. I didn't have that in mind that I need a business plan and I still don't have one up today. Maybe I should, yeah, for sure. But I think it's, it's also important to first try out, to try out, to experiment what works, what doesn't work. Like very easy stuff. Um, what kind of soundtrack works? What, does, what do people enjoy? Um, what kind of class? Also, I ask people now when I have like a small class, what's your energy level? Because there's no point if I have prepared in my mind a full power workout and they are just, just tired today. Mm. Or asking people what they want, which is probably one of the most key things for any kind of startup. Like we are always creating new stuff and we think like, oh, this or that. But first of all, always we have to solve a problem. The problem in Frankfurt was like there are a lot of international students, but not many international UI teachers. Mm -hmm. And second, it was not affordable because if you go to a studio over here, pop up class, so you just drop in is about 20 euro depending on the studio maybe for 18 you also get it but these are the prices over here so first you have to uh, be aware what's the problem and what kind of problem do you want to put a solution on mm -hmm. so um, yeah i think as an entrepreneur it's good to have the theory and see where are the problems and on the other side i think you have to allow yourself as well that space to be creative and to just try out things that you actually like because mm. at the beginning for instance i also did a little bit of breakfast and brunch and everything i really enjoyed that part it's just like it's very different it's very hard actually to to have a margin over there yes because a little bit like gastronomy you know like coffee it's very hard that type of business um to succeed in but still, I feel like as an entrepreneur, especially when you're starting off, do the things that you enjoy because you have to be willing to do things where you don't get paid first. And I was enjoying to just do yoga teaching, no matter if I got paid or not. Like this was not my main concern. I had my job anyway. So mm. Do something for pleasure first. And then yes. maybe later on, you're going to get paid for that. Yes, I mean, the first time I met you, or when I also talked with you last year, um, a little bit about your story, how come that you have English Yoga Meetup, you founded it, and also you kind of advertise it in a way that, you know, it's affordable, of course, for experts as well. You, uh, you kept saying, and also recently on, a, on social media, you know, contracts suck. And every time and I keep hearing this from you, it felt like you had a personal experience as well, you know, been you know sucked in with too many contracts you know no one wants to have contracts no one wants subscription and so on and i can see that you're putting a little bit into english yoga meetup also in something which you can relate to or where you personally struggled with as well yeah because um i always want to create a product that i would love to buy right i'm my main customer and of course i also tried out a couple of things. I also still have my subscription in a yoga studio in Frankfurt. I have the 10 past uh -huh. thing since half a year, maybe, or maybe longer. <laughs> you know how many I have used up? No. Zero. 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 Wow. 
So, but of course it was also Corona times and I'm not really going into a studio right now. Of course, that's mm -hmm. another story. But um, yeah, I feel like with all these contracts, you, you see in my story that I was always restricted with the contracts of my job. I always had to go back just because I had a job. I had to make a living. So I, I couldn't stay in, in Australia or maybe I didn't want to stay also because I wanted to be closer to my family in Europe. But I always feel like um, we are attaching ourselves with the apartment if you want to change. Uh, it's a lot of hassle. Uh, to move move stuff, especially if you don't have a car. I don't have a car, so for me, this is like a nightmare to move places. Um, for job as well, like you have to get settled first, and uh, then you're not that easily allowed to take longer vacations anymore. So I feel like contracts are in general very limiting, and I'm I'm an Aries, so I need my freedom in relationships, but also in my job environment. And that's why I also was very loyal to my employer because my employer actually allowed me to do all these kind of longer breaks to develop my, yeah, my life next to my job, which mm -hmm. is very important for me. And for me, there would be no point in going back to a startup like Paris, where I was just working crazy hours. And at the end of the month, I didn't even have enough money to travel anywhere. And I didn't even have vacations because in France, you have to collect your days. Anyway, so um, yeah, I think like I have an issue in my mindset with contracts uh, and I don't want to have this one in my free time. I don't want to have a contract uh, for things that I should enjoy, like doing exercises. Yes. And it's also a bit related to what you said in the very beginning uh, about the space. You also need your kind of space as well without restrictions because contracts mm -hmm. or subscription restrict you. Um, and it's always restricting you on time because you're forced to do something in a certain time period. It's very interesting, actually. Um, yeah, so I've never realized that pattern. And, and now I speak with you and we're always coming back to, to space. I, 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 trust me, you kept saying the last uh, uh, one and a half hour, actually, a lot the word space. I not even yeah. mentioned it when you said it a lot, plenty of times, yeah. trust me. So it's all related, probably giving yeah. yourself space uh, to breathe, and, but also space, you know, in terms of like uh, posture, uh, opening up and so on. It's very interesting, actually. So everything around space in your life. Um, it's very interesting. Um, from, from when I just quickly go back from 2017, where you started an English yoga meetup, how did the journey continue since that year? Well, it went up. It went up very quickly. We were growing very quickly and had like 1,000 members, not members because they don't have a contract, but in the group. So uh -huh. basically every time when it was sunny, we were running a class everywhere in Frankfurt, a little bit all over the place. And then I also met other teachers in the community. I've asked them, hey, do we want teachers well? So we had teachers from New York, from Russia, from Eastern Europe, was very nice and we were kind of splitting the classes a little bit everywhere because uh -huh. I couldn't do it all myself. Yes. So that was a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a new law coming, although it was not a new law, it was there since ages, but no one actually considered. But in Frankfurt, you were actually not allowed to use the park to do yoga or not even boot camp or sports or any kind of stuff. Because again, we're talking about public space here. We're using public space to earn a revenue that's mm -hmm. the thing although we kept english yoga meetup as on donation base at the beginning 
like uh, the city was saying, okay, you're using public space to generate a revenue. So this is not fair, you're not allowed, you're gonna get fined up to 1000 euro. And then I joined a couple of other classes with other yoga teachers because basically the whole city was full of sport offers in Frankfurt. And then twice the policeman came interviewing that yoga teacher, asking for the ID, asking if you have a permission. Um, and then that was the end. Okay. And I know there are still groups that do it outdoors. I think and the police in Frankfurt now, they have different problems with Corona. So I think there are less controls and everything. But officially, we are not allowed over here to do it outdoors. So 2017, 2018, we had a great year. And then in 2019, we had to adjust because now all of a sudden I couldn't just go into the park and do it over there. I had to rent spaces. And uh, yeah, that was a little bit tricky at the beginning because first of all, find a, find a decent space in Frankfurt that is affordable because of course you can find anything for any budget, but that means that my tickets for my English yoga meetup would have been way higher and this was not the idea of English Yoga Meetup at the beginning. Mm, exactly. so I always had to stick to low budget locations but still central and I actually found a good partner in the church because um, I'm living here in the Jewish area in Frankfurt and there are a lot of old villas and one of them belongs to the church and I kind of rented this one. It was right next to my house. Mm -hmm. They use it sometimes for art exhibitions and we used to go and do the yoga over there and there's a piano it's beautiful it's very old style with large windows and the sun coming in so this became our little hub yeah. so, and then from over there i reached out to other locations as well and we've done a lot of yoga in co-working spaces like mindspace mm -hmm. we work um, we have some kind of urban garden projects in frankfurt so I know them all, I've contacted them all, uh, always coming there, presented myself saying, hey, this is the concept, I wanna do this. Sometimes they support you, sometimes they don't. Mm. But very quickly you notice also who's gonna be on your side and who's gonna work against you. Yeah, yeah. When, when, you, uh, when I met you last year, it was also the time where you kind of yeah, started also to spread out outside of Frankfurt. You started in Munich, uh, tried to have kind of a, another yoga leg in Munich. And, and I remember that you kind of commuted between Frankfurt and Munich, try to, you know, solo entrepreneur trying to build a business in Munich while actually being based in Frankfurt. Uh, you know, like with one leg in Frankfurt, one in Munich. And one thing which I found very interesting is which you started then shortly after was also, and actually you adopted that also in the, on that whole community on your website and blog is that you combined yoga also with kind of a healthy lifestyle, inspiration and blog. You know, you connect plant-based food, you gave some tips and tricks where to go over the weekend, coffee shops, for example, in Munich or in other, let's say in Frankfurt cities, skincare and so on. You're trying to not just, you're trying to connect everything around yoga and trying to provide additional support for people who are completely new to that city, like foreigners mm -hmm. or experts, etc. Was that something which you always had in mind to, you know, to bring everything together for experts? Yeah, yeah because the thing is like, um, 
probably um, after my my experience, my studies in Switzerland, I was very lost. And once I've done like a coaching in Berlin and during this coaching, we really examined uh, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What are my interests? Uh, and we actually figured out that I have a lot of passions. Like there was always that passion for travel. There was always that passion for healthy lifestyle, uh, for sports, for languages, all these kind of things. And then during that coaching week, kind of came up with the dream job, you know, where you all combine it. And I remember after this session, this workshop, I was like, where do I find that job? And she was like, don't think in spaces, don't think in locations. Just remember that these are the things you're interested in and try to combine them. Mm-hmm. And this just sticked with me. And uh, for me, like, uh, but this entire health story, I noticed it's, it's not only the yoga that helped me. For me, it was a combination of different factors. It's what do I put on my skin? How do I work? What kind of jobs do I have? What kind of people I surround myself? Who are my friends? Um, so it's more than just the yoga part. So that's why also when you go on the website, the first sentence you're going to read is empowering you to live well, because it's about you, you yourself, you empower, you allow yourself to get better. So it's not someone else. It's not the medical natural practitioner out there. It's you who's going to change. And uh, for me, this is like with yoga, with meditation, maybe with other new rituals, um, educating yourself about different things just to get better in life in general. Mm. And um, yeah, that's the idea. And this is also what I try to spread a little bit on the blog. Again, we are speaking a lot about places or here yes. uh, because I feel like as an expat, you're very curious. I want to discover that city um, by doing yoga, which is a little bit like these kind of offers that they do when you run through Paris and you discover the Louvre and Hotel de Ville, you know? So yeah. rather than running and seeing the city, maybe we just do yoga and see the city. So that was a little bit the idea originally. And uh, this is also where I actually want to go back. Although it's very limiting right now. uh, Yeah, we're finding these places because we're not allowed to do it no matter where we want. Yes. Um, But still, I try to share those kind of nice spaces, especially this is like the, the interesting part. When you're just new in a city, you just want to walk it all and you want to see it all and you want to discover all the hidden spaces. And because I have that target group, uh, I have a lot of Americans moving to Frankfurt, especially with Corona now. Um, and they just want to see the cool places, right? So yeah, there's a lot of information. There are a lot of blogs already out there. Instagram's available for everyone. But it's always good to have that approach of a best friend is telling you right? Like it's that personal touch that I always get across in my classes and also my other teachers. And like, we still have that tonality that the best friend is talking to you and he's giving you an advice. Hey, check out this place. This one is cool. So yeah, this is what Mm. we want to get a little bit across. Interesting. And also the best friend, as you say, becomes more familiar. It's not like a stranger just shared with you where you have so many platforms where you are not associated with, but you know, you get tips yeah. and tricks. Have you ever booked a class on Eversports? Have you ever used their app? It's like a... No. 
us and then like the entire booking process is just a mess and then you go there and it's at the end of the city and there's no really an offer in Frankfurt city center but only in the outskirts or yeah so you don't really know what to expect <laughs> and I think this is like a trust issue especially with mm. yoga if you go there uh, and you don't know what you get um, you're very uh, hesitating to book actually and I have that challenge because I have a lot of people of course who are returners but after maybe a year after two they are leaving Frankfurt and they move on somewhere else this mm -hmm. is just the expat life so I have a lot of newcomers all the time to the city and uh, you have to create that trust and earn that trust first and then eventually they're coming back to classes or reading your blog posts and following you but as like with every startup it's very important to create the trust first yeah very very true so when we now look back in the last three years where you really started the brand um, and see that as a chapter till the present how, how would you call would you say that three years is, is one chapter and if so what would be the name of that hmm And for me, it was like three, three years. Like the first year was like really the setup. The second year we were rising and the third year we were actually um, crashing. <laughs> <laughs> crashing. So, the rising ground, if you want to put it in yoga words, the rising ground. How would you, um, so how would you? Rising, rising and, sorry, I couldn't understand with audio, second. The rise and the grounding. The rise and the grounding. And the grounding, which leads me actually to one of the last questions. Um, what are, could be the next chapter coming up from the grounding, from the crashing? That's a difficult one. <laughs> That's a difficult one because we can't really plan anything right now with Corona. It's very hard. Like also my teachers, they're asking me, hey, what's going to be after the outdoor season? Also my students, they keep on asking me, how are we going to proceed from October onwards? And to, uh, to be honest, I don't know. Um, with that situation, especially in Hessen and Bavaria now, it's very hard to say how we're going to move on. I've noticed that a lot of people uh, try the live stream classes at the beginning, but they just got tired of the, of the online format. And on the other side, um, if you're renting a space now and people feel insecure because of Corona and uh, I mean, we are breathing in and out for one hour with 10 strangers. So it might not feel comfortable to do that right now. So to be honest, um, I think we're not going to go back to any kind of closed space right now in autumn. I think it's going to be rather online. But this is tricky for a lot of people because most of the people, they also come because they want to have some interactions with other people. They want to meet others. They want to have that little chat or tea. And mm. uh, I'm not quite sure how we're going to do it. So currently I'm only playing week per week and see how it goes. But I'm missing a little bit the big picture. But I think this is uh, the most of the case for any type of company now. If you're a startup or even if you're a big company, everyone seems to be a little bit lost. So the last half of the year, a lot of people were experimenting what is working, what doesn't. Um, we had a couple of cool formats online, 
uh, some presentations, uh, some other experts speaking about mindfulness. Let's see how we go on with this one. Maybe we create some new stuff. Um, but yeah, um, I'm, again, I don't have that business plan. I, I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. Uh, I'm just gonna come back to my gut feeling. And if it doesn't feel right, then there's Okay, so um, for the listeners who might heard some kind of interruptions, there was, this is a beauty of having an online interview on Zoom and the internet connection at works. Um, and Sophie could just mention actually, uh, just before we started recording again, you know, it's actually, you know, when the things doesn't work, it's, you know, it's something very unpredictable as well, similar to like Corona, what we have yeah. right now, it's so unpredictable sometimes. And it, sometimes you can't prepare for something like that because you don't have necessarily a backup solution. Um, obviously, it's you. As the same also with entrepreneurship, as you say, um, yeah, you usually should prepare for everything, but sometimes with Corona, you can't prepare in such a situation. Um, when I remember very well from the last moment where we cut off was, um, and I was very interested in it also, when you, when you said you, you were not so sure about what is your next chapter, because you can't really prepare, you don't know really with outdoor, indoor, and most probably going to move week by week, as you said. Um, what would be the ideal scenario if you not would struggle with Corona? That's a good one. And it actually brings me back to our conversation that we already had done here. Um, so I still want to, I'm still spending a lot of time thinking about this social impact. So I still remember our coaching session we did on this one. So I thank you again for taking the time. It's something that sticks with me every day and I think about it. So I still want to combine yoga with something more than just yoga. I still want to do that social impact somewhere. Uh, currently I'm checking out a lot of like nonprofit organizations. And um, yeah, I'm really asking myself, uh, where can I contribute with that community? Because yeah, we're all stronger together. So if we, if we spend money on the yoga and we take part of that money to give it to another purpose that helps to improve our overall, overall world, then why not? So, but the thing is, I'm, and this is where we're coming back to demanding from the beginning. I'm very demanding on what kind of organization am I actually going to support because I feel like most of the organizations, when I check their website and their fancy stuff, I feel like, okay, they already have like five people working in marketing. So why do they spend their money on this part rather than giving it to that purpose that they really want to contribute to? So I have a little bit of a trust issue here again. Also, we had that trust um, topic already covered. And um, yeah, I always remember when I was traveling in Indonesia, there was a little girl coming to me and um, she was doing these little bracelets herself. And she was trying to sell them to the tourists saying like, yeah, do you want a bracelet for your wrist or for your ankle? And she said she's gonna use that money to pay for her school books. And uh, then she also looked at me and she said, um, oh, you have so nice, beautiful, white skin. I wish I had your skin. 
And I was very shocked when she said that because that girl was probably eight. And I was very shocked that it's already in her head that her skin that was a little bit tanned because she's from Indonesia, um, that she already had that, that in her mind that she thinks her skin is less beautiful or anything, which is not true, of course. So this is still like an experience that sticks to me and I'm really wondering with these kind of bracelets, uh, is she actually using that money to pay for school education? Is that school education help her to have a better living later on? So a lot of questions are still with that girl and I haven't really figured it out. And I haven't really found yet an organization maybe that is kind of supporting maybe young women in Indonesia to to set up their professional path. I don't know. So I'm always kind of looking into organizations that reach out into education because I feel like education is key. Education is the number thing that you should invest in yourself rather than doing real estate or share market. This is important as well, but first of all, you should invest in yourself. Because with this knowledge, then you can generate more money and support those who might be less uh, fortunate than you are. Mm. So this is a topic that sticks with me since a while already. And I know it's within me. It's just like it hasn't come out yet. Mm. And I really um, I'm thinking about this next step, how to integrate that social purpose in the community. Mm. So it's a big question mark still, kind of. But I think this could be an interesting step to move forward and to give a little bit more meaning into what we create. Because again, it's going back in towards creation. What do we create? And it's nice to discover new places and to feel good in your body, but it would be also nice to share that feeling with others because most of the best moments in our lives, they are always shared with other people. Very true. So, yeah. Yeah. So this is another thing and I'm currently looking into that, but I feel like I have to experiment a little bit more around to find my path over here because it's not very clear yet. And perhaps you also need to give yourself a little bit more time and it's already for quite a long time in your mind, but not has mm -hmm. been, you know, fully executed yet or in that specific direction. And maybe you have to give yourself a bit more time and then actually feel really comfortable, make a decision. I think I need to have a... I think I need to do a trip again because most of the best <laughs> changes in my life were always coming after a trip. So I think Very I true. actually negotiate again a sabbatical, see some other lives, getting inspired how other people live, feeling also fortunate and appreciate what I have, and then come out from over there. Probably. But currently with Corona, it's a little it's... bit less traveling. <laughs> so I just have to find my inspiration from other people. Um, I have a lot of people on Instagram that I follow that I feel very inspiring people who do, who do their things, that mm. move on, although we, we are in a pandemic. Uh, but I think this can't be the excuse for everything, right? Uh, we still have to move on and live our lives. Uh, everyone's speaking about the new normal. So again, it's about creating that new normal. So how do we want to make this work? Yeah, it's, it's up to us actually to make the decision how we want to see the new normal as well. Uh, what values, what standards should include in the new normal, normal and what values we don't want to uh, you know, yeah. forget from the past as well. Um, 
That's very important. Um, Solvik, I want to slowly wrap up that conversation, but there are two very important questions which I'm very curious, and I kept thinking about this through the whole conversation. You know, in every good book, um, there is a copyright section, uh, meaning don't copy that, otherwise there is X, Y, set of punishment. So if you would advise someone, maybe a young person or anyone who is reading your book, what would you advise that person uh, of saying, don't copy that from my life? Don't do the same mistake I've done in my life. What would it be? I like the question. Mm. I think I have to think about that. <laughs> I don't have I don't have an answer straight away. Like, mm. uh, I think what is important is that we don't try to copy to be someone else. Mm. Because, um, of course, when I set up English Yoga Meetup, there were a lot of other groups as well that popped out on the app that were also called Frankfurt Yoga English. And a lot of copycats actually that followed, which is fine which um, is good because every market needs competition. Mm -hmm. um, because the only thing is like, oh, it always comes back to the energy between people. So they can have the same name, they can have the same concept, every, and everyone can do pop-up yoga, it's nothing special. So, but just be yourself. So don't try to copy another teacher who's doing this or that. Um, that's also, my inspiration, for instance, I have trained with a lot of other different yoga teachers and I try to combine the different styles that I like. Uh, but I wouldn't suggest to just go one direction and only try out this one and make this your religion. Just be open, stay open to different styles and uh, yeah, just discover what you enjoy most because this is what's gonna be reflected. If you don't enjoy your style, your teaching, the, the class gonna notice so just be true to feels good in your body and then share this one and don't try to label it the same name don't try to do what everyone else is doing um yeah just listen to your own gut feeling and then just uh, sometimes don't listen too much on the mind on your head and rather go more with the institution i would say so mm. this would be probably my my copyright line and copyright land, very nice. I mean, in the end, what you say, it's also being authentic. As you say, you know, not copying others, similar to like entrepreneurship and startup, don't try to copy others. Maybe you can learn from others, but not adopt a copy it onto one, because then you're not authentic in the end of the day. It's your own but style. You always well. copy it, but then at least make it better. <laughs> or you make it better in that sense, and then you put your own kind of DNA in there, exactly, that you yeah. feel comfortable as well. Exactly. So Authenticity is such a buzzword today. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier said than done often as well, because we're living in an environment where it's, you know, we're we so pushed in all kinds of directions from society. You have to do this, you have to do this, this. So that is actually talking in, in your vocabulary, there is almost no space to be yourself because it's very tight as everything as society put you in all kind of directions. And it's scary also to be to be really yourself and to share like personal insights on Instagram and everyone and it's like visible for everyone and uh, you make yourself very vulnerable. So yes. 
Yeah, it depends if you want that. Yeah, I remember um, a couple of months ago when you first posted on Instagram, uh, you kept saying, it's usually not your style putting pictures of you or videos. And I could see this personal struggle you also had um, in sharing your personal story or putting your face actually in front of the brand as well. I think this is also very hard for a startup entrepreneur. If you're more like that person who's working behind the scenes and you're not that main actor, you feel like, okay, I don't really want to show up in front of a camera. But if you're like a, a small business with just a couple of freelancers or yeah, other people supporting you, I feel like it's very important, especially on Instagram, those kind of channels to, to tell the story, to share your struggles, not only the good side, um, yeah, it, it's part of what our target group actually, yeah, demands from a brand. Yes. And it's in the end of the day, a brand is made out of people and yeah. individuals who founded it. It's like you with English Yoga Meetup as well. Um, one of the last questions I have is, and I'm just imagining right now when I have your book in front of me. You know, we went for the different chapters. We had the copyright section. We had the thank you in the beginning. We had the, in the front cover, the spaces, the picture of the spaces as well, different. Um, and we're standing right now in front, in the library, in front of the home section. Um, but I, I turn around the book and I see that front cover, the spaces. What, question to me, what title would I see on the book? Creating space. Creating space. Okay. <laughs> Creating space. Nice. Creating space. Yeah, the word space, I think it's very important in, in, in your... Yeah, this is like the topic today. This is like the topic. <laughs> always comes back to this one, either in yoga, in life, in general, relationships. Is that a freedom part? Mm, interesting. Freedom, but also like a feeling, feeling supported feeling secure. Yes. It has like so I many remember, meetings. Yeah. I remember one final anecdote here. Um, when I did my teacher training with our last day and we got the certificates and I was very emotional. Like I was just uh, crying. I don't know. I had like tears in my eyes when I, he gave me the certificate and he said, um, yeah, you struggled a lot uh, during the training. You had a lot of pain. You still pushed it through and um, you're such a type of person you have to come you came here earlier to check out the place and when you feel like uh, this is the place uh, where you can settle where you feel comfortable then you go for it because it was true i was coming two days before the training started just to check out the place to see where i need to go and uh, he said like yeah you were that person who really wanted to control and check before uh, going there and this this is something that I still keep doing. Whenever I have like a new place, I always go there, do the scouting of the location, check it. If I feel like, ah, oh, do I feel well here? And then I decide, okay, I'm teaching here or I don't. So yeah, he was right. Like my teacher was very right with this one. Checking the space beforehand, very nice. Very nice, <laughs> lovely. Um, Saldik, it was a pleasure actually talking to you. We talked over two hours actually over two it hours like half an hour like it, it literally it <laughs> half, like half an hour and i really like that idea of a book like i didn't 
for all the listeners, for for the audience, if you're still with us after two hours, congrats. And, uh, but I really like that storytelling along the book. Uh, so I didn't expect what kind of questions you would ask me. Um, this was very natural here, guys. So we didn't prepare anything in advance. It was really like a natural conversation. And I really liked that idea, Daniel, of uh, that book. So I would love mm. to have it right now. Thank you. Audience. I mean, actually, that was you know, a long time ago when I started it. The idea was actually to have a version afterwards, a printed version, oh. even a tiny mini version. But it's a, that was the idea. But again, you know, when you're looking back in different chapters, you know, each chap chapter had to happen before the other could start. And I think this is also kind of a life lesson. You know, sometimes we want to achieve, we want to be there, but actually we have to go through one or two other life chapters before we actually mentally and physically ready to be where we want to be. And the same also with entrepreneurship or like you, when you're building, you know, a brand, it's, uh, we always want to be there. And we, we are very self frustrated. We put so much pressure on ourselves, but actually it just takes small steps or other chapters to, to be ready for that. And, and to actually maybe when we look back to realize, okay, these dots had to be, or these chapters had to happen first. Yeah, this um, is what Steve Jobs always said, like you can, sometimes it does make sense right now. Exactly. I mean, that's very true. I mean, when you're looking back in life and you're connecting the dots, you're more aware of where you are right now. And maybe you can see the bigger picture as well, rather than always thinking in the present moment, everything, you know, is not necessarily, everything sucks. Everything is not necessarily pleasant, actually. Maybe it's supposed to be like this in order to go in a certain direction. Great. So, Vic, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. And um, where can people from the listeners can learn more about you or English Yoga Meetup? Where can they find more information? Well, just check out the website. We are very online here. Um, so it's www.englishyogameetup.com. And there you find all the classes for Frankfurt and Munich as well. We have a great teacher network in Munich where we do pop-out yoga also outdoors at the English Garden, Isar. And here in Frankfurt, we are mainly on the rooftops to, yeah, enjoy the high life. And uh, you're more than welcome. You can be local, you can be German speaking, um, can be a traveler, maybe an expert. Everyone's welcome. You don't have to have the Lululemon mat, um, just come how you are. No need to have a fancy outfit for yoga. So, this is also what I preach like, everyone's welcome. So, just, just make it happen. Yeah, and also, maybe to add from my side, you also don't need to be an expert can be a beginner. Yeah. Since it's I joined last year, I, I felt very comfortable as a beginner as well. Um, even from the male perspective. Um, I think that's for everyone. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, sometimes you just have those yoga studios where you feel like, oh, I'm underdressed, I'm not good enough, and you're already going in there and you, your self-confidence is smashed. So for us, it's not that place. Every teacher is very welcoming. And um, yeah, we just want you to have a good time. Perfect. Lovely. Last statement, last sentences. Great. Uh, Sovik, thank you so much. And um, I will also put the, the links in the show notes so everyone can and check the show notes afterwards and click on the link directly. Um, thanks so much, Sovik, for the long conversation uh, on the Friday evening. Um, lovely talking to you and yeah, speaking to you soon then. Here on the net or hear you in the podcast. Thank you, Daniel. Ciao, ciao. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
here we are. After listening to all her trips to Asia and Australia, I kind of felt misplaced in the wrong year. But this is also a great way to use the time to focus on yourself and create space to listen deeply about your next life chapters. You don't need to wait till the end of the pandemic. We already can start living right now at this moment. So give me a shout out if you are keen to hear more health life books from yoga teachers or social entrepreneurs such as guest speakers, topics and critical learnings worth sharing on Instagram. Leave a comment or drop me a message on social media. You can find me on Instagram at by Daniel Ludwig. Just don't forget, never give up, always look up. See you next time.